your grace and how you paid the price for us. And what we do can only amount to so little compared to what you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you take a seat, don't forget to greet those around you. Justin's back, and yeah, feel free to come on up. So, so cramped, and we some things over. <laughs> Justin's going to share with us, uh, continuing from the book of Philippians, and really excited to see what he's going to share with us today. And uh, the stage is all yours. Good to be with all of you. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I don't feel, uh, I don't feel quite my, uh, myself today. If you can pray for me as I preach, I was down in Los Angeles. Yesterday speaking at a conference, then we got a little late, got ate something a little funny. Makes my stomach feel, oh, there we go. Makes my stomach feel a little bit, a little bit funny. Uh, and then I, I got into a conflict with my wife yesterday. Anyone, anyone married people here ever have conflict with your spouse? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I got into a little conflict with my wife over the dumbest thing, over such a small thing. But we're still like working through that. And then big Sunday today at our church and kind of some, some heavy things we need to share. Um, with our church. So uh, you can even pray for me as I, as I preach. Um, sometimes the plans we make uh, don't turn out the way we wanted them to turn out. I have a friend of mine who says, uh, make your plans in pencil because God has a big eraser. And I, I think that's, 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 that's true. And that, that, that's true of our text today. So remember, Phil is, is preaching through the book of Acts and I'm preaching through the book of Philippians. And what we saw happen was Paul, we started in the book of Acts, Acts 16, with this series. Paul comes into the city of Philippi and three very different people, their lives were transformed with the gospel of Jesus. And those three very different people are the beginning of a church and the beginning of the movement of God and of the spirit of God in a community of people. And then uh, sometime later, Paul writes a letter to, these church, to this church at Philippi and he's instructing them. And... Uh, what has happened since Paul first visited the city of Philippi, and you guys will see this as you, as you work through the rest of the book of Acts, is Paul travels quite a bit. He goes to Asia. He goes to Jerusalem. Um, he's falsely accused. He's nearly killed. He's imprisoned. He's, uh, he, he heads towards Rome, uh, and he's shipwrecked. Uh, and then he ends up in Rome, and he's in prison in Rome. And it's from this imprisonment, from a prison cell in Rome, that Paul writes this letter to the Philippians. And really, Paul's, um, the, the plans that Paul had, the, the, the plans to go around the world taking the gospel to people, it didn't turn out the way he wanted it to turn out. Yet God is still sovereign and God is still at work. And we're going to see that today. So turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse, verse 12 through verse 18 is what we're going to see today. Philippians chapter 1. Verse 12 through the first part of verse 18. Paul starts to get pretty personal in this text of Scripture. He starts to open up a little bit more about his situation and his life. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 18. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. 
Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Okay, so this was written a long time ago, almost 2,000 years ago, and it can be easy to read this and to think, okay, what does this really have to do with my life 2,000 years later in, in Silicon Valley? Uh, n- n- none of you are in prison. Uh, Rome, that, that feels very far away. What, what, what's going on? How does this connect to your life? Well, look at, look at what Paul says. Look at these first words in verse, in verse 12. I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul's writing to this church that he loves, this church that he started. And that church, think about what that church is thinking. That church is thinking, oh no, oh no. Paul wanted to travel throughout uh, the Mediterranean world, throughout the Roman Empire, and proclaim the gospel. And... He, he, he got imprisoned back in Jerusalem, and he's had a shipwreck, and now he's in prison in Rome. The, plan, the plans did not work out. The dreams he had for his life, the dreams he had for advancing the kingdom of God, uh, it, it didn't work out. Uh, he, Paul must be so sad. Paul must be crushed. Paul must be, be bummed out because it didn't work out. That's, that's probably what the church is thinking. But Paul's writing this letter to the church he loves. He goes, I want you to know something. What has happened has actually served to advance the gospel. He's saying, my my plans were to go over here. God totally changed those plans. But I'm really glad God did. Because it's actually served to advance the gospel. Um, Now, this only works, though, if what is ultimate in your life is God's kingdom. Paul didn't say this has really served to advance my comfort uh, my, my popularity, my, um, my bank account, uh, my, my success. He's not, he's not saying that. He, Paul, we remember, is a man whose life was radically changed by the message of Jesus. And what became ultimate in Paul's life was the kingdom of God. He wanted to use his life to advance the kingdom of God. He, he was someone who could just always pray, God, I want your will to be done. Uh, I, I heard a pastor say, and I think this is very true, I heard a pastor say that really... All the stress in our life boils down to this. Uh, Raise your hand. Anyone feels stress in this room? Like anyone ever struggle with stress? Two of you. What's wrong with you guys? Stress? I mean, come on. Anyone else struggle with stress? Yeah, okay. There's some hands back there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm stressed all the time. Okay, he said that the reason we are stressed out is because we don't live by a single agenda. We're not a people who can just pray, God, thy will be done. We can't just pray, God, thy will be done, and surrender. We're people that don't want our will to be done. Paul was a man that, by the grace of God, could just say, God, I want your will to be done. My life's yours. I want your will to be done. Now, I'm not saying any of you are supposed to be like the Apostle Paul. I'm not saying that any, any of us are supposed to be people traveling around the world, um, just proclaiming the gospel in different cities, and we're supposed to do that. You're a student. Uh, you're, you're an engineer. You're a stay-at-home mom. You live here. You've got roots. Be that. Be true to who you are and the calling God's put on your life. But as you pursue those callings, we need to be a people that can say, God, your will be done. My life is for you. And so Paul had had these hopes and these dreams in his life of getting around to proclaim the gospel. He wanted to eventually get to Spain and proclaim the gospel. 
but instead he's in chains and he's experienced shipwreck and now he's in a Roman prison cell and he says what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel this word advance here is a military term it's a, it's a military term it's a term that you use for the advance of an army uh, the, you know, victory is near, the army's advancing, it's, it's progressing. That's what we want to do as disciple makers. You're a church of disciples making disciples. And you, you want to advance the gospel. You want to see the gospel move forward in Saratoga, in the South Bay, in, in Silicon Valley. Um, the word gospel is very, uh, very interesting. I, I think you know the word gospel. What does the word gospel mean? What does the word gospel mean? Anyone? What does the word gospel mean? Gospel, yeah. Good news. There we go. Okay, good news. Gospel means good news. Um, this word isn't a... It didn't come out of nowhere. This is not just a, a Christian word that Paul invented or something, that the writers of the New Testament invented. This was a word used in the Greek-speaking world for good news. It was a word that was used to talk about Caesars when, when, when kings, when Caesars came into power. Let me, let me read something to you. Um, you guys know this, that in the, this culture, in the Roman Empire, Caesars were worshipped. Whoever was in power, whoever was Caesar of Rome, was worshipped and was viewed like a god. Um, one, one first century uh, historian writes this. He talks about how 45 years before the birth of Jesus, when Julius Caesar returned from a victorious battle and was given divine status, he, he writes this. Julius Caesar comes back from a, a, this battle. He's regarded as divine, and this is what, what, what he says. Then Caesar hastened to Rome. Victor of all civil wars, he was feared and celebrated like no one before him. All kinds of exaggerated honors were created and bestowed upon him, even superhuman ones, offerings, celebrations, sacrifices, and statues in temp all temples and public places in each of the provinces for every community and for all the kings allied with Rome. The inscriptions of the statues were various. On some of them, Caesar wore an oak wreath as the savior of the native country. This person was pronounced sacred, and it was decreed that he could dispatch his official functions from a throne of ivory and gold. The city annually had to celebrate the days of his victories. Priests had to offer public prayers to him, and the administrators had to swear an oath not to resist any command of Caesar. To honor his birthday, Quintilius was renamed Ulius July. Furthermore, numerous temples were to be built to him as a god. So Paul is proclaiming the gospel in a world where Julius Caesar, where the Caesar was revered as a god. And whenever someone became the new Caesar or won a victory in battle, the word used to pronounce that was gospel. It was, hear the gospel, hear the good news. So-and-so has become Caesar. Hear the gospel, hear the good news. Caesar, Rome, has won this battle. And so what Paul is proclaiming, what Paul is sharing, is very much in conflict with the culture and the empire of the time. A culture that's saying the good news is that Caesar reigns. Caesar's in charge. Paul is saying, no, here's the good news. Jesus is king. Jesus reigns. Jesus' empire is what is advancing across this world. Um, and, and, and so Paul is writing this, though, in Rome, imprisoned by Caesar, preparing to face Caesar. And he's saying, I'm in prison. Uh, this, this earthly king that people worship and that people bow down to and think is giving them the true good news, I'm imprisoned by him, but it's actually advancing the true good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this, this, this is why. Paul gives a reason for this um, in verse 13. It's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. 
the great big bustling city of Rome. Anyone here been to Rome? Yeah, I've been to, been to Rome, beautiful city, the ruins. Uh, you, you can still see buildings that were there at the time Paul was there, 2,000 years ago. The Imperial Guard in Rome was 9,000 soldiers. A lot of people, 9,000 soldiers. Paul's saying it's become known to the entire Imperial Guard that my imprisonment is for Christ. He's saying 9,000 soldiers that serve Caesar, that they know why I am here. Because of Christ, because of Jesus, because of the Messiah, they know that that's why I'm here. So somehow, as Paul is in that prison, he's speaking, he's proclaiming the gospel, he's saying why he is there, why he is suffering. It, the word gets out to all the different soldiers, and he can say the whole imperial guard knows why I'm here. And then he says this in, in, in verse 14. This is the other reason the gospel is advancing. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. What Paul is referring to here is he's referring to the other brothers and sisters in the church in Rome. There's a thriving church in the, in the, in the city of Rome. And he's saying, the, these, these brothers have... have they know why I'm here. They know that I'm in prison because of the gospel, because of Jesus. And so they've become more bold. They see that I am willing to suffer for Jesus. And so they've become more bold to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Um, when, when you suffer for your faith, it gives other Christians a, a stronger backbone. It, it, it often can, can do that. Persecution gives other Christians a backbone. They see you willing, and I don't know what this might look like for you in your workplace, at, at your school, but when you are willing to take hits for Jesus in your workplace, other Christians see that, other Christians notice that, and they go, oh, if he can do that, if she can do that, maybe I can do that. And so he's saying it's having this kind of contagious effect on all the other believers in the city of Rome. They're becoming more bold to speak the word of Christ. Uh, they're speaking it without fear. Some of their fear is going away. Think about that. Think about that, that influence that you could have. That as you follow Jesus... As you proclaim the gospel, other Christians can see what you're doing and they, they can get more bold. What, would, what might that look like in your church if that could kind of spread all of you getting a little more bold to speak the word of God without, without fear? So this is what's happening. And um, I just love that you can't... Paul just feels to me like this... Uh, I mean, I know he's very human, very imperfect, but I mean, he's kind of this hero of mine because he just seems invincible. Seems like you can't discourage this guy. It just seems like no matter what comes his way, he never gets discouraged. He, he's, he's like, I'm in prison. That's, it's all right. You know, God's with me. The gospel's advancing. It, it, it's, it's, it's really fine. I'm, I, I'm okay. So-and-so's betrayed me. It's okay. You know, God, God's in charge. I know, I know what God's doing. I, I, I can trust him. God's got, a great, God's got a great plan. You just can't discourage this guy. Here's what's happened. Paul has turned his prison into a pulpit. He's turned his prison, this confined cell, into a pulpit. You know, Paul doesn't have the freedom that he had before where he could just walk into the city of Philippi, walk into Ephesus, walk into Athens, talk with people and engage with people, proclaim the word of God, eat some food, go sleep here, go walk out to the sea and enjoy the view. He doesn't have that freedom. He's, he's, he's stuck in this prison cell. He's chained to Roman soldiers. He's stuck. But he has turned his prison into a pulpit. Maybe you could do that too. 
Maybe like Paul, you had these plans for your, for your life or, or for your last week or for, or for how you wanted 2019 to go so far. And you're in April and you're going, gosh, I, I wrote these plans, but God's got this eraser and he seems to be erasing them and these different things are happening. Well, you can trust God in that. You can trust God in that. Maybe you're finding yourself in a prison of sorts. You, know, you feel confined, you feel kind of stuck, you feel like this is where I find myself. It's okay. God's there, God's with you. What might it look like for you to turn your prison into a pulpit, into a place where you go, God, this is where you have me. Be glorified here. I want to steward where, where you have me. I want you to be honored here. You can turn your prison into a pulpit. I think what I'm trying to say here with this text is God's plans are better than our plans. God's plans are better than our plans. God has greater plans for us than we have for ourselves. Um, what, is, what does Romans 8.28 say? Paul wrote that. I'm sure that's a verse most of you know. It's probably deep in your heart. Anyone know Romans 8, 28 here? I hear some mumbling up, yeah. In, in Chinese, let's hear it in Chinese. What is it in Chinese? Let's hear it. Someone, someone say it. Yeah, read, read it loud. Yeah. Good. It's great. So let me let me read that in English. And we know. I wonder if you can say that. I wonder if you know this. And we know. That for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Are you experiencing that? We know that for those who love God, all things, that Greek, the word there, it means all, all things. Not most things, not some things. All things. God, God, God takes all things in our lives, even the hard things, and he works them together for his glory and for our good. Paul was deeply, deeply convinced of that. That's why, and do not miss this, that's why in verse 16, look at verse 16. Paul says, I am put here. Don't miss those words. You see that in verse 16? I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Paul did not think that he was in prison by accident. He did not think, oh, this just sort of happened, or it's, or it's an accident, or it's because the Roman Empire is so powerful. Uh, no. He says, I'm put here. God, is, God has put me here. Where has God put you? Where has God put you? God has put you somewhere. And maybe it kind of feels like a prison. But God has put you somewhere, and he has put you there. To love him, to love other people, to steward the gospel and proclaim the gospel. Mark, Martin Luther said, we pray for silver, 
but God gives us gold instead. And I think Paul had these dreams of what it might look like for him to go around the world planting churches and proclaiming the gospel. And God had this better plan to put him in this prison where 9,000 soldiers, the whole imperial guard, are hearing about Christ. Paul couldn't have planned that. God planned that. You know, Scripture tells us the Lord is our shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, the Lord is your shepherd. He he guides you, he cares for you, he provides for you. We can really, really trust him. God is sovereign and God is wise and God is good and we we must believe that. And you have to hold all all three of those truths together. God is totally sovereign. He's sovereign over all things. Nothing happens outside of his power, outside of his command. A sparrow can't fall to the ground. A hair can't fall from your head. God is totally sovereign. But not not only that, he's also completely wise. He's always the smartest person in the room. God knows what he's doing. He's smart. He sees way further down the line than you. He's the smartest person in the room. And he's good. It's not just that he has all the power, and it's not just that he has all the wisdom. He's also good. He loves his kids. He loves you. He's caring for you. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's caring for us. So Paul believes that deep in his bones. He, he talks about what's happening there in his imprisonment, that these people, these, these brothers, these Christians, have become much more bold to speak the gospel. And he acknowledges reality. He says some are doing it out of envy and rivalry. But there's, there, there are some people that are kind of jealous of Paul's influence and jealous of this, uh, I don't know, very vibrant and strong walk with God that Paul has. And they're kind of jealous, and so they're preaching Jesus out of this kind of sense of rivalry. He's aware of that. He says others are doing it really from goodwill and out of love, knowing why Paul is there. Um, but he goes, you know what? I, I don't really care. I mean, he does care about their motivations, but he goes, at the end of the day, I just love the fact that the gospel of Jesus is going forward. I'm not too worried right now about these different motivations. I just love that the gospel of Jesus is going forward. And Christ is being proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So I think what I see in Paul here is such a profound trust in God. God had happened to Paul that Jesus got a hold of Paul's heart, and this man was transformed. And what became ultimate in his life, what became most treasured in his life, was knowing God, walking closely with God, following Jesus. He, He just couldn't help but want to tell other people about Jesus. And he had this profound trust that whatever situation he found himself in, he knew God was still sovereign, wise, and good, and he could trust him. And he's seen now the fruit of this. I don't know if Paul saw this when he first got into prison. Now he's been in prison for a while. He's writing the Philippians, and he's going, guys, you wouldn't believe how this turned out. Old imperial guards heard about Jesus. Christians in the city of Rome are becoming so much more bold. That was a very difficult city to be a Christian in, by the way. We think it's difficult to be a Christian in Silicon Valley, it is for a bunch of different reasons, but nothing like how it was difficult to be a Christian in, in Rome. I mean, Nero was in power in, in Rome at this time, and Nero was persecuting Christians. Nero was killing Christians. Nero was sending Christians to the Colosseum to suffer and die. Uh, Nero, there's even accounts of Nero uh, lighting Christians who were still alive on fire 
in his garden at night for light. This was a very, very violent place, a violent city, where the person in power was very evil. So a difficult place to be a Christian. He's saying this city that was kind of, these believers kind of were under fear to proclaim the gospel because of, because of this oppression in our city. And now God has used God, his plan to get these Christians to be much more, much more bold, to speak the gospel without fear. So I see in Paul this profound trust in God and this profound freedom. Wherever God takes me, wherever, whatever, however, whatever it is that God wants to do with my life, I, just, I, I trust him. And I'm very free because he's got this single agenda to follow Jesus and to proclaim the gospel. I love this quote from J.I. Packer. Of, have you read J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God? Anyone read that book? Okay, if you've not read that book, I'd, I'd really re- recommend that to you. That'd be great spring reading. Pick up the book, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. One of the best. It's a book I use all the time in discipling Christians. Um, Packer, P-A-C-K-E-R. Um, he writes this. What matters supremely is not the fact that I know God. That's super important, the fact that we know God. But that's not what matters supremely. But the larger fact that he knows me. I am graven on the palms of his hands. I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. There is unspeakable comfort in knowing that God is constantly taking knowledge of me and love and watching over me for my good. There is tremendous relief in knowing that his love to me is utterly realistic, based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me, so that no discovery now can disillusion him about me in the way that I am so often disillusioned about myself and quench his determination to bless me. Paul knew that in his bones, and I wonder if you know that in your bones. God knows you. God loves you. You're graven on the palms of his hands. He's determined to bless you. Paul was able Paul was able to say in a Roman prison cell, I am put here. He was able to say, I am put here in prison because Jesus was able to say from the cross, I am put here. On that cross, Jesus was able to say, I am put here. My Father has sent me here. I am put here to atone for sinners, to bring them back into relationship with the living God. And that message of the gospel transformed Paul's life. And it can keep keep transforming our lives. Think about it. At the very center of our faith, what looks like the worst thing, the cross, Good Friday, the worst thing, turns out to be the best thing. Leads to resurrection, forgiveness of sinners, new life, new creation. So, so, So isn't it then the case of the thing in your life that right now looks like the worst thing? this really hard circumstance you're facing, this, this difficulty that you were up against, this giant problem that you're facing, uh, this prison, this place of confinement that you find yourself in, couldn't it be that God wants to take that, turn that, use that, redeem that into one of the best things that's ever happened to you? What, what freedom we would have if we could live, and we can live, with the same freedom of Paul, to go, I trust God, God's put me here and turning our prisons into pulpits. Silicon Valley, the South Bay, needs church and needs people that will live life like that, with that kind of freedom. 
that kind of boldness, that kind of trust in God. And a church body that does that, that'll be contagious and spread to other Christians and other churches. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words from Paul. We thank you for this reminder from Paul's life that your plans are better than our plans. Help us to be a people. Help us to be Christians that trust you wholeheartedly. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here that whatever uh, prison or difficulty they find themselves in, I pray that your Holy Spirit would strengthen them um, and give them the, the faith and the freedom of Paul to be able to trust you and to turn their prison into a pulpit. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Students, you got tests and, and different issues at school and, and all the things. Think about the future. People who are working, you know, it's, it's not always easy and all of that. Um, so, yeah, just whatever things that you guys are going through, yeah, God can, can redeem that. God can use that. And God is definitely using that to, um, to grow you, right, to, to mature you. And that's often some, something that uh, we don't necessarily like, but if, when we look back, it's a, it's, it's a good thing. So thank you for sharing that with us. So. Definitely a lot of stuff we learned from Paul as well. Um, so I, right now we're going to transition to a time of offering um, where the worship team just come forward. And um, we're just going to, uh, this is a time for us to be generous to the Lord. Um, we can be generous in our, in, through, the, through our daily lives, uh, but also here at church um, where we um, give to the church and give to God to help us to continue to advance the gospel here and through the different ministries that we do. So we're just going to pass the offering bag around during the time of worship here. Just stand up and then we can sing along. Oh, 
live for you, we stop living for ourselves and live for you. Um, would you use these offerings where we where use our life for your glory, whatever circumstance that we're in, that we can uh, that we can find joy in that and to live for you. Uh, we praise the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, okay. So, um, yeah, so please feel free to stick around, have some refreshments, and, and spend time with each other, and, and catch up, and then we're going to have some nice point 11. Thank you.